dead in trespasses and sins but verse 4 but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us that verse should just grab hold of our lives right there that we were rebels and failures but God in his rich mercy because of a great love that he has for you and for me imagine that every day on your way to work you passed the Grand Canyon at first you were blown away but after a while your mind became consumed with routines and responsibilities. You didn't notice the canyon as much. As a believer, God has brought you from death to life. That reality blows any national treasure out of the water. But we can get distracted from even that. The ever-present reality of God's grace should alter the way we see our lives. And that new life should radiate through everything we do. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 10, with our continuing study entitled, Grace in the Mess. Now, for those of you in here today who you've already placed your faith and trust in Jesus, I'm here to tell you that you are exactly the same as the people who didn't. The only difference is that you have acknowledged that you're a rebel and a failure and that God has placed his spirit within you and you are in the process of learning a new way. That's the only difference. One group is in rebellion. The other group says, I am a rebel. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I have the spirit in me and God is in the process of helping me to experience what it means to live in the kingdom, in this new world, in this new approach. And what's interesting is our rebellions our lust of the flesh, they don't leave when we get saved. We can just call them what they really are. We could say, that's rebellion. And for some of us, when you get saved, right, it's not like all of a sudden everything is fixed, right? You just realize that everything was really broken. And God takes certain things. I remember when I got saved, I was just like, I cursed like a hip-hop artist. I grew up in that culture where every other word was an expletive. And when I, when I, put my faith and trust in Jesus, it was like, man, I was like, I had a potty mouth, right? And God took that. All of a sudden, one day, I'm like, wow, I haven't thought of a curse word or cursed in a long time. But there was all sorts of things that weren't yet fixed. You know what I'm saying? So he, he grabbed one thing and he yanked that out. I'm grateful for that. But there's all sorts of things that I'm still just battling against. I'm working against. And so if you're here and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you're worse than you realize but God, by his spirit, has given you the opportunity to say, that's not okay. I've always done that, but that's not what it means to be a child of God. And we're all in the process of unlearning and learning anew a whole bunch of things. And that's why one of our core values here at Crossroads is that all of us are in process. Why? Because we're all in process. We all have habits, desires, issues, that God is still working on. And we give each other the grace to be there. We say, okay, we acknowledge we're all in process. I'm in process, you're in process. Nobody here has arrived. No one here is the Savior except for Jesus himself. And he arrived. And so we give each other the room to be growing. And we help 
one another along the messiness of the growth curve. We help each other take the next steps with Jesus. Now, if you needed a scripture verse other than these three verses to back up that you are worse than you realize, listen to Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 18. What the Apostle Paul does in these verses is he pearl strings together about six Old Testament quotations. Listen to what he says. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is the Apostle Paul's summation of all of the Bible's teaching on the condition of humanity. We are worse than we realize. So that's the bad news. And I told you, right, the bad news is worse than you realized. It's exceedingly bad news. And then verse 4, one of my favorite words in the Bible, but. I love that word. This, to me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 is the most glorious but in the Bible. But God. Now, brothers and sisters, this is why the bad news is really bad, but the good news is exceedingly amazing because we are, you and I, rebels and failures to the core, to the core, but God. And this is where everything changes. And on the black backdrop of our rebellion is the glorious glow of the goodness of God. Just like when you go to look at, at a ring, the rings are always on a black background because those jewels sparkle even brighter in contrast. Our rebellion is black, but God's goodness sparkles and shines. Look at this. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Although we are worse than we realize, Jesus makes dead people alive. Jesus makes dead people alive. And friend, seeker, brother, sister, friend, listen, this is the gospel. This is the gospel that Jesus makes dead people alive. It's not that Jesus makes bad people good or decent moral people better. Jesus makes dead people alive. That's the gospel message. We were all dead in trespasses and sins, but verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, that verse should just grab hold of our lives right there, that we were rebels and failures, but God, in his rich mercy, because of a great love that he has for you and for me. 
It's one thing to love somebody who's lovable. It's another thing to love a rebel and a failure. It's one thing to say, I am going to embrace you because you're a decent person. It's another thing to say, you are hideous to me, and I have mercy and great love for you. I'm here to tell you, friend, God does not love you because you're good. God loves you because God is loving. And God sees you in all of your brokenness, in all of your messiness, just as you are. And he, and he embraces you because he has mercy on you and he loves you. And God never gives up on that. That's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is the God who created and sustains everything. That is the God who sent his own son, Jesus, to die so that we might live. And this is a God worth following, worshiping being a part of his family. Do you realize that God's mercy is great towards you and his love is great? Mercy and love come together in the person of Jesus Christ because of God's great mercy and love. Look at what he did, verse 5. Even when we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ. That's the gospel message. Through our faith union with God, in Christ, he took us from death and he gave us life. Jesus said this in John chapter 5, verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and he shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. That's what it means to be a, a Christian. A Christian is not, I was a good person and being made better in Christ, or I was a horrible person and God's making me good. It's, I was totally dead and God has made me alive. That's the message. And when you realize that you are dead and you've been made alive, you end up devoting your entire life to honoring the person who gave you life. There's all these movies, right, about or you hear these stories about a parent who gives up their life so that their child may live. I remember there was a movie that came out with Denzel Washington called John Q. And it was a whole thing. His son didn't have health insurance. Son needed a heart. He was a match. It was a whole big mess. He ends up, you know, um, taking everyone hostage in an emergency room. So I wouldn't recommend that as your course of action, per se. But by the time you're into the movie, you actually like him, even though what he's doing is crazy, because you're like, man, this guy's going to give up his life for his son. So his son may live. That guy's a great dad, a great dad. So deep down, we realize that this is necessary. We realize that. Not only does God, we're dead, and he makes us alive, but look at what happens in verse 6. Look at what happens. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ, verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. See, God doesn't only bring us to life. Then he exalts us with Jesus. Now, I'm here to tell you, that's nuts. It's one thing to say, I'm a rebel, I'm a failure, I'm dead and God makes me alive. But then it says that we're going to be seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Not only does he make us alive, he bestows grace that we get to be partakers in the kingdom of Jesus. That all of eternity, 
verse 7 tells us. It's going to show the exceeding greatness of God's riches in his grace, that it's going to take all of eternity for us in some ways to fathom the greatness of God's kindness toward us in Christ. Now think about that. We don't have a clue how amazing our salvation really is. And I'm the first on those. I don't even have a clue at the depth of the magnificence and majesticness of this salvation that we are partakers of. We don't even have a clue how amazing God is to have done this for us. Now, doesn't that change the way we think about our lives and we approach our lives? We're like, look, I'm saved. I'm happy. I love the Lord. I don't even have a clue how amazing God has been to do this for me. We spend our whole lives, you and I and all the people of God, we spend our whole lives unpacking and uncovering what does this salvation really mean and how deep and powerful and joy-inspiring is this reality. And that's why this is what the process of sanctification is all about. If you're here today and you put your faith and trust in Jesus, God is in the process of setting you apart. And each day we learn more and more how great this salvation really is. I mean, that's the only way to interpret verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That with each passing day and each passing week, God's greatness of his riches of grace is displayed for us. Now, some people say, I don't want to be a go to heaven. I mean, is there anything more boring than praise, 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 sitting on a cloud with a harp? I might get calluses on my fingers. Or for those of you who like the Beatles, I got blisters on my fingers. No? Okay, never mind. Some people are like, man, heaven's going to be boring. We just going to praise God, praise, praise. I mean, is that going to be boring? No, it's not going to be boring. But you know what's amazing? What happens later is nothing compared to what God wants to do in our lives right now. For us to live as Christ and to die as gain. So when we get there, it's going to be amazing. But we get to experience that same type of mentality, that overwhelming gratitude for grace right now. And I think what happens, one of the ways Satan tweaks the people of God is he, we move from death to life, and then he gets us off on other things rather than just being grateful to God for so great a salvation. Church can do that for you, right? You get involved in church and then all the church stuff, which is all people stuff, right? And it robs you of how unbelievably cool this is, that God's love for me never fails. It's incomprehensible. And then all eternity, the riches, exceeding riches of his kindness and grace is going to be bestowed. And with each passing day, I'm going to be like, whoa, and we get to do that now. That's what it means to simply respond to Jesus today. To respond to so great a salvation in awe, in gratefulness of who God is and what he's done. Now, we move into verse 8. And verses 8 to 10 are classic verses. Some of our first memory verses. If you, if you don't memorize scripture, I want to encourage you. Memorize verses Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Let this be your first one right here. Grab your translation, memorize it down. Look at what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, 
lest anyone should boast. That's verses 8 and 9. This teaches us that grace is God's gift. Grace is God's gift to us. This is so important. This is like Christianity 101 right here. That grace is God. I was thinking, I spent a lot of time thinking of a word picture for you all. And it's interesting that when you you come up with a word picture, it's always a flawed analogy, but it is an analogy. So I'm just going to throw this out there. I've been kind of chewing on this for a couple weeks in my heart. And so if you think about that, God is an artist. And we'll get to that in a little bit in verse 10. or, Or imagine God as a musician. Salvation is his masterpiece. Grace is God's creative intention And faith is the enjoyment of someone listening to that. Now think about this. God is a musician. He's a phenomenal musician, right? Salvation is his masterpiece work. Grace is God's creativity and his intention, the instrument that he expresses his artistic nature of his masterpiece. And faith is the enjoyment of somebody who hears it. Spend some time with that. I've been chewing on it. It's an analogy, so it's imperfect by nature. But there's a lot in there. For by grace you have been saved. God's own grace saves us. See, so salvation is, is, is where we end up. It's the masterpiece that God is saying, look, you were dead, now you're alive. This has happened by grace. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. You take G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Or the classic definition, grace is unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. That's what grace is. Unmerited, you didn't do anything for it. It's unearned, you can't earn it. It's undeserved, never was worthy of it. Favor of God. For this happens by grace, we've been saved. Through faith. Faith is in some ways the apprehending cause, the instrument that applies this salvation to our lives. And notice it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the gift of God. See that? Grace is a gift. Faith is the hands that receive the grace. Faith is the hands that just reach out and say, thank you to God for his gift. And then Paul makes it very Very clear in verse 9, not of works, lest anyone should boast. See, grace glorifies God and works could glorify man. There is no self-effort in our salvation. All we do is respond to Jesus and say, thank you for the gift. There's no works. Because if we could do works to either get saved or maintain our salvation then we could say, the reason I'm saved is because of me. I've done such a great job of doing this. I'll tell you this. If you're not a Christian, if you look at the worldview that you have, whether it's another religion or good old-fashioned Western secularism, which is a religion of itself, every single religion in the world except Christianity, you have to do something in order to maintain it. You have to do something. It's your move And we love that as humans because we want to be a part of the game. 
We want to feel like I, I am the master of my own destiny. Classic. See, that's classic enlightenment thinking. I am a self-determining agent. I chart my own course. The gospel says you can't. You can chart your own course, but it leads to ultimate destruction, no matter how you chart it, no matter how many gadgets you have to guide your way. But if you would simply say, I can't take my own course, God, I will accept your course for my life. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. Listen to John chapter 1. Verses 12 and 13, John saying, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see that? John is saying, look, we have the right to be children of God because we believe in him. We were born not just because of blood, just because we were born, not of the will of the flesh, not of works nor of the will of a person. No one can make you do this, but you're born of God because you've been saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God. Grace is God's gift of himself. Now, I don't know where you are today. If you're here today and you're, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I don't know that you've ever, and I don't know that I've ever, when someone wants to give you a gift, say, no, thank you. Imagine you're driving an old beat-up car and someone comes and says, Here's the keys to a nice brand new car. I'm, I'm carrying the payment. Don't worry about it. What do you say? Thank you very much. Do you got the insurance too? You know? <laughs> when somebody offers you the most amazing gift, you say thank you. Imagine, let's say you're, you're weighed down with credit card debt. Very common story today. And someone comes and says, listen, I'm going to pay off your entire debt. You can just say, well, no, well, well I don't really don't want you to. I'm going to do it myself. Or you just simply say, thank you very much. Salvation, a life in God's spirit, it simply comes by you saying thank you to God. Just say thank you. Thank, I, I received that gift, Lord. And then verse 10, beautiful verse. Look at this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Finally, we learn here that God prepared you for good works. God prepared you for good works. Now, it begins with this phrase, for we are his workmanship. In the Greek, this word workmanship is the word poema, which we translate for the word what? Poem. What it says is that we, the people of God, are God's artwork, his poem, his masterpiece. That's what got me on that whole idea of God being a musician or an artist and the masterpiece and all that. The people of God who have been made alive by their faith in Jesus are God's work of art. But notice, we are created in Christ Jesus, speaking of us as new creations, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Now, this is an important balance, and I'm going to close with this point. Remember, we're saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We're not saved by works. We are saved for works. Jesus is real. No works, no rules, no amount of determination will accomplish grace outside of Jesus. 
As we listened to Pastor Daniel's teaching, we were able to recognize how acknowledging our deeply rooted desire to serve our flesh illuminates how brilliant God's gift is. The purpose of grace isn't to make bad people into good ones, but to make dead people alive. We're made new through Him, not by our own doing. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Daniel continues this series about Jesus' grace in our messy lives. We'll start this message in Ephesians 2, where two groups of people are separated by different beliefs. But with Jesus, the playing field is leveled. God wants to cut away all the unnecessary parts of our lives so we can draw nearer to Him, becoming more like Him. Jesus is the connector between us and others. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast from all of the production team here at Jesus Is Real Radio. We want to say thank you for tuning in. Until next time, may the Lord bless.